Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Flo Broderick, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Paul. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, So Flo Broderick and I work as Chief Marketing Officer of a SaaS company called Carto, um, based here in the UK. Um, The bulk of our team are based in Spain and the US uh, and quite a few of us here in the UK. So that's me. So you had a heck of a journey, though. I mean, you've been around... Well, I'm not going to. I would never allude to anyone's age these days. It's not you're not supposed to do that. But you've had some serious heavyweight roles uh, in big companies. How do you make the leap from massive enterprise into startup? Um, well, I'm very happy to have had experience in both. You know, to have been in a massive company is really, really useful when you go to then a much smaller scale up company like Carter and you need to sell to those giants um, because you then understand uh, how many different departments they have for different things and how many different operating businesses and how they all interact. Um, But yeah, it was an amazing experience at Telefonica because it's such a global business. I was based in Madrid and lived there for six years. um, Muy bien, muy bien. Muy bien, muy bien. Um, And met my husband there. So uh, a lot to thank uh, Telefonica for that time. Um, not that I met him at work, but um, but yeah, Telefonica, was in, international dating agency and <laughs> telephone provider. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so so it was incredible, and I'd kind of done my five years at Telefonica, and was at one of these massive conferences, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, and I happened to meet the founder of Carto, um, who I didn't know was the founder, and I was demoing telephonica's data visualized on this massive amazing microsoft surface screen uh visualized in carto and i didn't realize that i was demoing his product to him with our data um and the rest is history and i ended up going over to carto again based in madrid at the beginning but then uh, i moved to the uk while still at the company so it's really useful you've got the big big company background so you know how to sell to them but the the transition for you as uh, an employee as a leader as, as somebody who needs to execute against plan. I mean, Carto's a decent-sized company, but it ain't Telefonica. How do you, <laughs> going from, I mean, you go there and hopefully they gave you a laptop when you started and all that sort of stuff. But this, this, that is the transition from, well, I've got a team for that, or there's a process for that, to, okay, then I need to work out how to do absolutely bloody everything. Yeah, no, that's very true. And I, I think it's one of the things I love about working at Carto is uh, just how close you are to seeing something delivered. Um, when you're a, a small fish in a big pond like Telefonica, obviously there's just so many layers of, of management and there's a lot of bureaucracy, to be honest, um, even though it's an incredible organization. Um, but I love getting stuff done. And so when you work in a company the size of Carto, um, you can get a lot of stuff done very quickly. Um, and there's just a great bias for action in the company. Um, and you don't lean on consultants and agencies all that much. Yeah, we work with some, but 
um, you you can hire really great people. And I think that's one of the things that really shocked me when I got into a smaller company was you think that in a big when you've got a big brand, you can attract all of the best talent um, because you can afford it and because you've got all of these robust talent management systems and whatever. But actually, when you get into a scale up, there's so many really talented people that are there because they love that component of bias for action, being able to get stuff done, being able to deliver on a strategy rather than like talking about a strategy. Um, and that was something that surprised me was just how awesome the talent was when you got into a smaller company. Did you find and I'm talking here from a, a personal question as well, because I come from a reasonably large company. It was small. They went big. And then I'm going back and I'm working with lots and lots of little scale ups and startups and stuff like that. And one of the, the startups in particular is I, I go in there and you, you, you're talking about a strategy and then the founder says, that's great. It's a good idea. Let me know when you're done. You're thinking, oh, I've actually got to do it. I, you go, oh, all right. I, I remember how to do work. I do. Because work previously was at an entirely different level. Whereas this is now, you've got, the, you've got to come up with the idea and then you've got to find out and work out and actually deliver against what you said. Yeah, no, it's true. I, but I love that. Um, I, I really love that um, because I, I, I one of my big philosophies is that, um, you know, be a doer. Um, and I think if you can be a doer, in an environment like ours, then, you, you know, you're worth worth a lot within the company. Yeah. Um, because sometimes getting things done is difficult. You have to persuade people, you have to meet deadlines. Sometimes we're working with external partners, like we work a lot with cloud companies who are giants now as well, and you're dependent on them. We launched a campaign with AWS yesterday. We launched perfectly on time. And actually it was super, super easy with AWS, but sometimes you're dependent on other things that you can't control. And um, that's tough, but there's fine arts to getting people to all move in the same direction. Um, and I, I love that part of it. And I think on the, the word strategy, um, I have to say for me, when it's interviews with a candidate, sometimes strategy is a bit of a red flag word at times. I think there's lots of people that want to uh, work in strategy and they want to be involved in the strategic decisions and they want to do strategy. And you hear that too many times in an interview. It, I think for the environment that we're in, it can be a little bit scary because sometimes, frankly, it's just rolling up your sleeves and jumping into an Excel and sorting out some data quality on something for Salesforce or something really unglamorous. Um, and, and that's what the job's about. So, uh, so yeah, I love that part of it. Bias for action. <laughs> Get shit done, basically. Exactly. You got it. Totally. Love that. How does that how did the change influence or if you reflect on how you were managing people uh, as the global head of marketing at a multi-billion dollar, hundreds of thousands of people company, then you're now chief marketing officer at a itty bitty startup in comparison. How does your, your management style change? How does your leadership style change? Yeah, I think... First of all, it's you're so much closer to the goal. Like in a big organization, sometimes there are competing goals. Uh, whereas when you're in an environment like this, we are going after X million more ARR this year. And that's what everybody wants at the company. There's no discrepancy across the organization. So it's just much easier to set goals as the leader of a team because everything has to feed into that. And, it, you know, in the context of marketing, that we need this many ops, this much pipeline, and we need to convert this percentage of it. And we all row in that direction. Um, so in terms of how that affects leadership, it's just very easy to set that. And I think whenever you ask candidates in interviews, like 
what is it that you want from your manager? They pretty much always say the same thing. So I just want my goals to be really clear, want transparency. Um, it's the one that comes up the most, from my experience at least. Um, and that's just very easy to do um, in an environment like this. So um, I think as well, um, performance management is easier in a smaller organization. At the end of the day, when investors give you money and they say you're going after this revenue target, um, you need to run a high performing team to get there. And you can't hang around and perhaps have dead weight like you can in organizations. Um, and so you need to have very candid feedback conversations very quickly uh, in this environment. Um, and I and I think that's really great for anybody's development because if you if you're waiting for every six months for a check-in to have those conversations, um, you know, you can't in this environment. You need to actually course correct along the way. Um, and I love that. I love that direct feedback that I get from my manager, our, our CEO. Um, and I think that's really important. And that's what helps you grow faster and have a faster career trajectory at the end of the day. Because if you uh, smooth out the rough edges faster in what you're doing, then you can bring value faster. I think the dead weight things is, is a big one. Uh, and, and some big companies that I know quite intimately, um, friends and family and stuff, they have people in their teams that they call cannon fodder, right? You know you're going to hire and you know you're going to fire. So you want to have people that you can essentially get rid of. So you have cannon fodder. Okay, boys and girls, 10% off the board, done, right? Well, I know who's going this year. Yeah, oh. no, it's... um Good practices, eh? Good management practices. That's the stuff. Treat people like crap. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I know what you mean. I think the the other thing on that is that um, we have a if you, in in teams. So this is something like one of my feedbacks that I once had from a, a manager was like, "Don't expect everybody to be like you and to care as much as you." Um, so I have to say I really care. I get to my desk and I care about the things that I work on. And so sometimes if people aren't that as invested, I can get a little bit frustrated. And that's something I'm working on. But um, something I think I've learned over the years is that uh, there's there are different roles. Like some people do want to be given their list and to get through their list. And there are some people that want to come with 10 ideas to put on that list. Um, and I, I don't like the the term podders. Although I don't think in our environment there are very many podders at all because we, we don't plod. We're going after rapid growth. Um, but uh, there are different types of people and you need to have those contrasts in teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people just want to do the job mm. and still passionate and engaged and all that. And, and just then want to go home to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure that individuals, like I might be like the way I am now, but I might see the world very differently in 10 years. Um, and that's something that I will get my mind around at the time and make those decisions as we go along. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're still young. We're still <laughs> young yet. There's time. <laughs> what would you suggest then? to somebody coming into Carto, what sort of management advice do you give to people who come into Carto as a manager? Because you're in the senior team and you look at them and say, look, in order to succeed here or in order to succeed as a manager, you mm -hmm. need to do these things. So my number one would be over-communicate. Um, I think what our, our CEO does this very well is like you need to repeat things again and again. Um, to show that things aren't changing, that we're being consistent in our S-word strategy. 
Um, uh, so, you know, lots of people love email. Lots of people love Slack. Uh, so get the, get the message to people on Slack, on email, in calls, see it in one-to-ones, see it in group environments so that people hear the same thing again and again. Uh, that's really important. Um, the second thing I would say, um, and this is a difficult one, uh, is go to work to be respected, not necessarily to be to be liked or loved. Um, great if you can be both, but it can be challenging because we're running a business and um, and we have goals to go after. But um, I think the most important thing is that people respect you as a manager, um, and that when they when they move on to the next role and they look back, they really feel like they learned from that role. Um, so I think that's an important one. And I think in the remote environment that so mm. many people are in now, um, you know, Slack or whatever tool you use at your company is kind of the new canteen um, in that um, you can't just use Slack to put work messages. You know, in our group that we have marketing and SDRs at Carto, um, you try and have the old conversation, particularly for those people who are not in a hub in an office that occasionally see people that is non-work, like, what are your Netflix recommendations at the moment? Or what's everyone cooking this weekend? Or whatever it might be, like you need to remember that not everybody is in having the same level of water cooler conversation as they say in the US. Um, and so I think that's a, a really important thing to maintain and you need to make the effort. I like that. I do like that. I mean, and I'm conscious actually because when a guy posts something on our Slack um, and he was asking for pictures of the insides of people's fridges, I'm thinking, am I enabling some really weird fetish here or what's going on? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he's doing something for one of his kids or something. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, pictures <laughs> of the insides of your fridge. Like, okay, fair enough. I'll do that. So it reminds me that when we're done, I'm going to go and take a picture of the inside of my fridge and send it to Dimitri. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let's go. Slack is the new canteen. Mm. Yeah. And the whole cadences thing, the, the remote side of that is trying to get people to be consistently together and have those connections because that is it's not just that's where you know, the water cooler is where the ideas happen it's i think it's where trust builds mm. yeah or or understanding the external context of somebody that's within your team right mm -hmm. like we see the work people on zoom and um you know you have those zoom conversations you've got an agenda you get through it um and as much as you have a little bit of small talk it's not the same as, you know, oh, I'm in the office today. Should we jump out and get some lunch and have a completely non-work conversation? So, and you hear what, what people are carrying and everybody's carrying something, um, whether that's some kind of personal issue or something that they're working towards or whatever. Um, and it's more difficult in a remote environment to understand what people might be carrying and therefore how that might affect things at work. Yeah, yeah. You have, a, have an internet lunch, you know, a lunch yeah. in Zoom or something like that. Yeah. My wife used to work at Cisco, so many, many years ago, she used to work at Cisco, and they had in the coffee shop, in the coffee area, you know, you help yourself to a cup of, cup of coffee before they, um, and then they had the massive screen there, because they were the first people to have the um, big screen uh, live Zoom, essentially. It was WebEx they had, Cisco WebEx, and they had that from London to Singapore to uh Amsterdam to wherever it was. So you could have there a cup of coffee and be looking through a digital window at the guys in Amsterdam. Wow. That was really cool. I like that idea. So you're, cool. you're connecting offices as well as business people. So quite yeah, cool. that's very cool. So if you've got this, uh, 
set of advice that you give to people over communicate go to work to be respected and uh you're trying to try and understand the context trying to understand the, the whole person in the canteen the digital canteen we've got if there was some how-to advice if there was some first aid you had to give to, to a new manager what would that be how to do what i think the obvious one would be how to do your one-to-ones um oh, love there's, that. <laughs> there's an obvious i mean it's just one-to-ones don't go well if they're not planned um like in in my opinion um so i really love just using a google we're completely on google at carto and so we use google docs for one-to-ones and you can have a checklist and google's got this lovely new feature where whatever's on that checklist you can assign an owner afterwards um and so from each one-to-one you come away with you're like okay i'm accountable for these two things i need to do uh, and you've got these two um and google then services reminders in your task list or your gmail um which I find really useful to just keep on top of all the things that I need to do coming out of one-to-ones. Um, and it just gives you that structure for the meeting. Um, and even if you've got the kind of six to eight points that you're going to go through, you've still got five minutes to chat at the end, just say, oh, how are you feeling? How are you doing? You know, so I think be organized about them and make sure you come out with that accountability on the, the to-dos. I like that. I mean, I think you've got so few levers you can pull when you're actually trying to direct an organization. Uh, the cascade of the one-to-ones, I think is just, if they're done well, is one of the most powerful things you can do. There's a, I've got a little um, um, shorthand, it's not a mnemonic, it's a thing. C-U-F-C-P is mine. So check in, how mm-hmm. you doing? update, this is the, the top-down thing. Uh, feedback, if you've got any. Coaching, if you need to do, do any. And then planning your next steps. I like so you've it. So you just start back, 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 and you go through that and you both plan. So mm. if you're doing like a, a half hour one-to-one, it's 15 minutes of, of preparation and planning for both of you, you know, because otherwise, you know, you know that one time you don't come planned or, or prepared, the other person comes, well, here's my c- concise agenda. What's yours? You're thinking, oh God. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But it's, I think it's very important to make, make sure things that are moving um, and there's good direction. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a, a, an event, perhaps, that you, that led you to learn some things in particular? I couldn't pin this down to one event, um, but I think one of my big learnings, and it's been six years at, at Carto now, um, is how do you balance the whole hire externally versus promoting talent from within? Um, and I've only got six years of samples to look at, but generally speaking, my stories of um, promoting really great talent from within has tended to work better. Um, And I think that sometimes um, we obsess about people having the credentials or having done this at this phase, done 10 to 30 million and been, you know, at a certain type of category of SaaS or whatever. and actually, just sometimes the best person for the job is sat there right in front of you within the organization. Um, and that's something I I kind of keep in my mind whenever we're thinking about hiring and internal promotions now. Um, and I saw a post on Jason, that Jason Lemkin did recently about, you know, it's where you have the least amount of unknown. Um, yeah. Uh, so... 
I think I, I've made mistakes on that in the past. And also when you're in a rush to hire for a certain role, um, because it's, you know, causing a lot of disruption internally by not having that person in place or whatever. So uh, I think I've made my mistakes there and I'll learn from them. I'm sure I'll make more of them. But, uh, but it's been it's been a really interesting journey in that respect. I think the day you stop making mistakes is the day you die. Probably. <laughs> the, the balance... It's a very, very good point on the balance from hiring externally and promoting. I think when you start to think more, especially now because we're all, everybody's remote or hybrid or whatever we're calling it, the capability that organizations and teams have to pull an external resource for tasks or projects or even quasi full-time things, you can go off and outsource an awful lot of stuff before you really need to hire a new external. I mean, it's going to be entirely deeply valued at the organization. The thing that you're doing has to be intrinsic to the organization for you to validly warrant the expenditure of these days. Mm. And then the least, the least unknown, if you're hiring somebody, let's say you've got, you're looking for a new person in your revenue team and you say, oh, well, you know, nobody's really got that particular sector, sales cycle, ACV, whatever it is. But as you said, Jeannie is sitting over there and she's damned close but doesn't quite have the chops for it yet. Get a coach. Get a mentor. I spend a lot of my time coaching and mentoring people who are just on the cusp or have just they've been thankfully they've been given the opportunity, but they're sitting there going, Holy crap, I have no idea what to do next. That's okay. Because you talk to somebody like me in this situation and I can help you out just a little bit. And yeah. take you that, you know, help them fill in the blanks. But they're the one. They're well, and you, can, you can feed them some of the tasks <coughs> you would be giving to that new hire, see how they do with it. You know, only small things, you're not asking them to do the job before they get given it, but start feeding some things, testing the waters, and yeah. that can work quite well to see, is this person ready? And if they're not, I've done that before with the leadership stuff. You give somebody the leadership task and you think, you are a phenomenal individual contributor, and that's really where you should stay because people ain't for you and sometimes they recognize that as well it's a very good self-awareness thing too right? mm, yeah particularly in sales the ic to leader thing is such a, a jump um, so that's a good point what are you working on at the moment well um we are kicking off the year um we are very excited at carto um because we have some really exciting partnerships with cloud partners, uh, Google Cloud, Snowflake, AWS, for example. Um, and so a lot of our focus this year is going to be on partner marketing and partner-enabled sales. Um, and it's really great because that they have such traction as organizations and they um, give us a bunch of co-marketing opportunities, which is, you know, in a year where everybody is talking about cost efficiency and recession, it's all very doom and gloom. Uh, we're going into this kind of how do we keep our CAC low uh, and how do we grow the business in really efficient ways? And partner marketing is a fantastic one. Um, and there's a lot of other things that that we do that have worked pretty well in the past year. I mean, our product team has been rolling out, uh, you know, for context, Carto is a spatial analytics platform. So visualizing and analyzing data on maps. Um, and so um, <clears throat> another thing is working out which verticals are going to have the use cases that are still going to be super present through through a recession. So for example, one of our top use cases is retail site selection. 
So where shall I put the next 10 McDonald's in the UK? Where's the white space to do that? And the reality is they're going to be winners and losers with the recession. Um, CPG companies, for example, will probably be, some of them in particular will do very well because people will be spending less in restaurants and therefore will be less expansion of quick service restaurants and actually more spend on certain types of groceries. And so we're working out how do we make sure that our marketing and sales strategy revolves around those market changes and making sure that all of our marketing materials speak to those pains and, and trends. Very interesting. Very interesting. Is there anything on your bedside table just now? Are you listening to any interesting podcasts? What would you share? How can we all become uh, as smart as you, Flo? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I actually try like to try and switch off a bit when I'm outside of work and not spend my entire time reading business books and stuff. What would you like? What do you like to do? Um, I love cooking. You're I love cooking. cooking. I've got. I've got. I tell you, I've got a chicken soup on the hob right now. It's going to be delicious. Sounds lovely. Um, so I, I really love, I mean, I, every morning uh, in the shower, I listen to the FT podcast to get my daily uh-huh. kind of what's going on in the world um, from an economic and news perspective. Um, but the I, I've really been listening quite a bit to uh, Off Menu recently, uh, which is they get a celebrity on and ask them what would their dream kind of death row menu be. Um, I listened to Jamie Oliver and I listened to Martin Freeman the other night. And that was great. But I love cooking because it gets me away from screens. Um, and I'm there. And I love how it's immediately gratifying. Like you chop some stuff up, you cook it, and gives you a great deal of satisfaction. And I last year got as a present a machine called a Thermomix, which is not that huge in the UK yet, but very big in countries like Spain and Australia. Um, and it's this amazing kitchen assistant. Um, it weighs, chops, cooks, needs bread makes meringue it does everything check it out on google watch a video that one makes love it off menu sounds fun i like that one yeah that's good fun. The, the, although the instant gratification thing i tell you i made some ox cheat yesterday i started on saturday with that you've got to marinate it for like three days i had marinating it in guinness you're feeding it guinness um, you know this this thing oh fabulous delicious, delicious. marvelous last last thing for you then flo what would you like to thank young flow for doing um so i think on this one i would say uh for using my holidays wisely um what i mean by that is i think uh you, you have these long easter christmas summer holidays as a kid when you're at school and then when you're at university and um you know, partly due to economic circumstances um i was always hustling through the holidays and finding part-time jobs and finding ways to like learn things in the holidays, not necessarily academically, but like have life skills. And so um, I did a lot of nannying for children uh, in different countries and learned different languages through that. I worked at Blockbuster Videos. I worked as a quiz master in a pub. Um, I somehow asked a friend of a friend of a friend to get internships in different places, volunteer at a local newspaper, but volunteer for the local MP, like the, the long list of things that I did. And I very often think that I learned way more from all the co-curricular stuff. And at university, you know, being president of Spanish society, ballroom dancing, did cricket, all of that, coaching cricket to kids, all of that. I learned way more from that than some of the academic stuff because uh, it teaches you how to work with people, work with people from different walks of life, um, people from different countries, 
Um, and when it, you get to a, a leadership role, all of that becomes more relevant than what's the capital of 40 different countries or what's the main river in these continents. Um, no offense to geography. Um, but I think there's a lot to be said that regardless of your economic circumstances, you should be trying to do stuff with your holidays if if career is going to be a big thing to you and it's one of your life anchors. Just go and get it and never be afraid to ask for something because the worst that can happen is somebody says no. Um, and I, I got a lot out of that. Yeah, marvellous. Lastly, what are your coordinates? How can people find you? Um, I'd say LinkedIn. Um, I don't tweet that often. I am active on Twitter and I read a lot on there, but Twitter's Flo Broderick, Ash, um, at Flo Broderick, and then Florence Broderick on LinkedIn. Um, and always happy to chat. Hello, Broderick. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks, Paul. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five-star review and please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day. And it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. 